Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. So in this Go Viral series, we started it at the beginning of this month. We're talking about why God needs us to go viral. We said on us taking the place God has called us to and going viral, more people will know about our Jesus. And that's the end result. We looked at how Solomon went viral on the first week of the series. And on the second week, Minister Isom shared about the importance of witnessing. Amen? And on the third week, we talked about Jesus' strategy for going viral. The whole purpose is for more people to know about our Jesus. Amen? When you get to heaven, you're saved, so you're already going. We're not asking if you're going, if you're already saved. Well, when you get there, will anybody get there because of you? Will you have a plus one when you get there? Will anyone be able to testify because they were faithful to God, I'm here? Or are you just walking around and going, well, praise the Lord, I made it. It's great that you made it, but take someone with you. Don't give up on people just because they're annoying, hard-headed, ratchet, trying you in every second of the day. Because God can get that uncle saved that you always get annoyed at when you see at Thanksgiving. Stay in faith. He said, why are you talking about Thanksgiving so early? Because some of you need to practice forgiveness before Thanksgiving gets here. You're like, I forgive them in advance. Yes, they're going to be trifling, but I forgive them in advance, Jesus. What about that coworker? Jesus loves them too. God needs you to go viral because there's some people that need your Jesus. So let's look at it from another perspective today. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 16. Notice what the Lord says to Moses. This day the Lord your God has commanded you to do these statutes and judgments. You shall therefore keep and do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have avouched the Lord this day to be your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and to hearken to his voice. And the Lord has avouched to you this day to be his peculiar people, his special people, his treasure, as he has promised you. And that you should keep all his commandments. Notice the other part of this promise. And to make you high above all nations which he has made in praise and in name and in honor. And that you may be a holy people unto the Lord your God as he has spoken. So God promised his people as they followed him, he would make them high above all nations in name, which means fame and honor and in praise. God is interested in lifting up his people. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's not a strange concept in the word of God. God told Abraham in Genesis 12, I will make your name great. God has no problem with your name being great. He just wants to be the one who makes your name great. Because if you seek and desire to make your name great, you will violate the law of love and step on people and over people to get to where you want to go. But if you let God make your name great, you'll follow the path of love and be a blessing to people as you go up. And as you go up, other people will go up because you go up. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and do all of his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you, if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. 
God once again repeats his promise to set his people on high. This setting on high includes an outpouring of blessings that would overtake them. God is interested in lifting up his people and setting them higher than everyone else on earth. What is one of the purposes of setting his people on higher where everyone else can see them? God wants to do something in your life that everybody can see. We're not talking about secret blessings, closet blessings, old closet testimonies. No, God wants to bless you in public so everybody can see it. Jesus even said in the Gospels that if you honor God in private, if you take time to pray in private, you take time to give in private, God will reward you publicly. God is interested in rewarding you publicly. We already looked at the scripture in the Psalms, so a lot of the screen talk about how God wants to manifest his goodness on your life in the sight of men. God is not just interested in you being blessed inside your house. God wants to bless you in a way that everybody can see it. He wants to bless you in such a way that all the heathen go, yeah, there's something on their life. There's something different about them. There's, some, there's something, I don't know how to describe it, but their life says something's going on. That's how God wants to bless you. He wants to turn your life into a living testimony of the goodness of God. To where people say, oh, God doesn't heal anymore, but you get healed. Now they got a witness that God still does heal. So if God doesn't bless financially, God wants you to be broke, but then you begin to prosper. Like, oh, I guess God does bless his people. Well, they says, well, your family's messed up. Then they see your family come back together and be whole. I guess God puts families back together again. Well, you don't know what's going on in my mind. You don't know my stress. You don't know my depression. But then you get delivered and filled with the joy of the Lord. And now people see you with a testimony. God wants to be so good in your life that you can't help but tell everybody else. It's so contagious when people look at you and go, my God is real and he is good. God is interested in lifting you up to the place he's called you to be. When you read the book of Exodus, God said, I've come down to my people to bring them up out of the land of Egypt. It's God's strategy to come down to bring you up. What did Jesus do? He came down, left glory in heaven to where we are to bring us up, to seat us at the right hand of God. God is interested in lifting you up. God is interested in setting you on high. God is interested in your promotion. God is interested in putting you up to the place that the blood has bought for you to be. God doesn't want you to be down in the dumps. That's not where you've been called to be. That's not where you've been redeemed to be. You're called to be up high. God is interested in lifting you up. Psalm 30 verse 1 says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. And has not made my foes to rejoice over me. So the psalmist say, hey, when all of my enemies were around me, they thought I was out. All my haters were coming against me. They thought I was done for. And in that moment, you lifted me up. So don't be concerned when people are talking about you, when it seems like your haters have multiplied, all these circumstances are going wrong, and you have more enemies than you can count. In that moment, it's a perfect opportunity for God to lift you up. Just when they think they can take you down, now you're high above everything. Psalm 91 verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Job 22, 29, it says, when men are cast down, then you shall say, there is lifting up. And he shall save the humble person. You need to know today that there is a lifting up. There is a lifting up. The New King James says it this way. When they cast you down, you say exaltation will come. 
So when people put you down, when they throw you down, when they do everything to hold you down, you need to say out of your mouth, exaltation will come. Why? You have to have this mindset that you got some Holy Ghost buoyancy. I remember Bishop Davis preaching on this in the 90s. If you ever go to a pool and someone has a beach ball and it's filled with air, no matter how hard you push it down, it's going to pop right back up. So it doesn't matter how hard life pushes you down, how hard your circumstances push you down, how hard the enemy pushes you down, how hard all the demons push you down. No, you've got some Holy Ghost buoyancy because there is a lifting up. There is a lifting up. You need to talk about it. You have to say exaltation will come. Because that verse finishes, then he will save the humble person. You have to talk about the lifting up. Every time you feel down, you have to say exaltation will come. There is a lifting up. Psalm 147 verse 6 says, the Lord lifts up the meek. The word meek also means humble. The Lord lifts up the humble. So go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Say, there is a lifting up. Is a lift up. Say, exaltation will come. Exaltation I haven't preached in a couple weeks, so you don't mind if I really preach today. <laughs> First Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the older. Yea, all of you be subject one another, be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, people say, well, if I'm being humble, I need to say that I'm so unlovely, unholy, unworthy, religious worm that God just had mercy on. No. Biblical humility is yielding to what God says. It's yielding to his ways. Because you can have people say, oh, I'm so unworthy and be full of pride. Religious pride, but pride nonetheless. Biblical humility says, you know what? This may be how I feel, but this is what the Word says. Biblical humility is when you have a thought process that's against the Word of God. That's different than what God says, which is I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to make my own thinking low in my eyes and pick God's way as higher. I'm going to believe what he says in Isaiah, his ways are higher than my ways. So I'm going to say, I don't know best. God, you know best. So I'm going to say, walking in love is better than me getting revenge. Me speaking blessing to my enemies is better than cussing them out. Me forgiving people better than holding on a grudge. You're saying, God, I am taking your way as higher. And whatever I feel about it is second or third or however where it needs to be. That's biblical humility. You have to walk in biblical humility if you want to see the lifting up. It says the Lord will lift up the humble. There is a lifting up for the person that yields to God's will and yields to God's way. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. When you talk about the hand of God in Scripture, the right hand of God, it's talking about the power of God. So notice what he's saying here is not just saying, okay, it's the hand of God, but he's talking about the power that that hand represents. And what will that hand do? That he may exalt you in due time. So it's the power of God that will exalt you. 
the power of the Almighty God we just sang about, which will lift you up. So notice the purpose, the cause and effect. If you humble yourself, he will lift you up. Notice it doesn't say you humble your neighbor, you humble your spouse, you humble your child. He says you humble yourself. You get a hold of your thinking. Pastor Kylie helped us with that last week. You get a hold of your thinking, and you be humble in your thinking, and you begin to think the thoughts of the Word of God, to think the thoughts of God, and then in due time, which means at a set time, He will exalt you. The word exalt means to raise to the very summit of opulence and prosperity. It means to raise to the very summit of opulence and prosperity, to raise to dignity honor, and happiness. To raise to dignity, honor, and happiness. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may raise you to the very summit of opulence and prosperity and raise you to dignity, honor, and happiness at the set time. Exaltation will come. Say exaltation Exaltation. will come. come. Say there is a lifting up. And there is a set time. See, because if you're in position at the set time, it doesn't matter what hell has done. Because if you're in position at that set time, you're going up and nothing can stop you. Because you have to imagine, when God raised Jesus from the dead, all hell was resisting him. But it didn't matter. Because Jesus threw off principalities and powers, made a show of them openly. So if they could not hold Jesus down, what makes you think they can hold you down? The greater ones on the inside of you. They can't hold you down. Stop giving them so much credit. Lying demons, harassing spirits. Tell them, shut up and go. As Pastor Callie said last week, put your hand on your head. That's not my thought. Now, you have to be prepared. The enemy will talk back. Earlier this week, he said, that's not my thought. And the enemy said, yes, it is. Like, no, it's not. You get out of here. He will talk back. But you resist until he leaves. If he doesn't leave, you ain't resisting. If you expect to get to the point of the great lifting up, you know how to resist the enemy. This is part of this passage here, resisting the enemy. It's also echoed in James 4. You must resist the enemy. You must not give in to his ways. You must not give in to his tactics or his plots or his strategies. You must not start acting like him. Come on, it's time for the church to look more like Jesus than their enemy. And he said, well, I'm not doing all those other sins with other people. First, you already judge the other people. And number two, if you're full of pride, you look just like your enemy. It could be religious pride because Satan comes to church too. He's religious himself. Make sure you look like Jesus, not him. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he can raise you to the very summit of opulence and prosperity, to dignity, honor, and happiness. Psalm 112, verse 9. We talk about the Psalm 112 man. That's what every man should desire to be. We talk about the Proverbs 31 woman, what every woman should desire to be. The Psalm 112 man is what every man should desire to be. It says, he has, in verse 9, and of course Paul quotes it in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, he has dispersed 
He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The use of horn in Old Testament texts such as these refers to strength, honor, dignity, power, and influence. It refers to strength, honor, dignity, power, and influence. The New Living Translation says it this way. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. God desires to exalt his people to places of influence and honor. God desires to exalt his people to places of influence and honor. Go to Jeremiah 33 verse 9 with me. Exaltation shall come. There is a lifting up. Jeremiah 33, verse 9. And in here, God is talking about Jerusalem and Judah. He says, And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear of all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble. The New Living Translation says, Tremble in awe. For all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Notice what God wanted to do in Jerusalem and Judah. God wanted to be so good to them that all the nations would tremble with awe because of all the goodness and prosperity that God poured out on them. So how could all the nations see them? They're lifted up. God wants to lift you up and pour out so much goodness and prosperity that everybody trembles in awe of the goodness of your God. There is a lifting up. And he is good, and his mercy endures forever. He desires to prosper you. We talked about in the spring, the blessing is the empowerment to prosper. Right? If the blessing is the empowerment to prosper, whoever is blessed are empowered to prosper, correct? Now, when you read through Genesis, do you know what the Jews call God when you see Elohim? They say, the blessed one. He's the one from whom the blessing flows. He is the most prosperous being you'll ever meet. And if you get around him, you begin to prosper too. If you are his children made in his image, why would he want you to be the broke one? Yes, I am the blessed one, and here's my child, the broke one. That that doesn't seem to add up to me. Yes, I am the healer, here's my child, the sick one. Oh, I am the joy-filled one, here's my depressed child. That's not God's best. We have to stop listening to religion that says that's how we have to live and actually look at what the Word of God says and say, this is not where God wants us to be. Now, you may be in a situation right now where you're broke. I'll be quiet on that one. <laughs> but just know that's not where you're going to stay. It's not important always where you start. It's about where you end up. You can be in a place today that you don't want to be in. Well, thank God you're not where you used to be. But just know today is only temporary. Paul talked about all of his circumstances, everything coming against him. He says, all of these light afflictions are momentary. 
it's temporary. It's going to change. You have to look at your circumstances. Yep, it's going to change because exaltation will come. Yep, this looks bad for a moment. And if I didn't know Jesus, I'd be depressed and wonder what I'm going to do. But exaltation will come. There is a lifting up. This situation is temporary. This separation is light compared to the glory of God. The glory is heavier than your situation. And it's the power and the glory of God that will lift you up above your situation. So God wants people around you to tremble in awe with all of his goodness and prosperity that it pours on you. So prosperity and exaltation or promotion comes with a platform. Prosperity, exaltation, and promotion comes with a platform. Past prosperity and promotions have given you platforms. But what are you doing with the platforms God has given you? What are you doing with the platforms that God has given you? Go to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. Genesis 41, start verse 14. We know the story of Joseph. We know the vision and the dream God gave him concerning his future when he was a teenager, when he was about 17 years old. He was his father's favorite. His brothers hated him because of it. They wanted to kill him. They threw him in a pit. They said, well, instead of killing him, let's sell him into slavery. But Joseph goes down to Egypt a slave. But it says the Lord was with him. God favored him. And he began to rule over Potiphar's house. You know, he's lied on. Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife wanted him, and he said no. Day after day after day. Now, that's a man of God. Because, you know, look, he's a teenager at max early 20s. Man of God. Because, you know, Potiphar's wife wasn't ugly. She did everything possible to get him. Oops. Everything possible. Her last ditch effort. Yes, I went back to Legally Blonde and Ben and Snap, yes. The last ditch effort. Grabbed his clothes and said, sleep with me. Lord have mercy. He ran away. She was tired of being insulted, so she lied on him. Joseph's thrown in prison, labeled a sex offender. But God is with him. God favors him. He's put in charge of the prison. Two people come along. The political officials, they did something to take off Pharaoh, so Pharaoh threw him in jail. And while they're there, they had dreams, and Joseph interprets them correctly, and everything Joseph says comes to pass, and he's forgotten about for two years in prison. Not only has he been lied on, not only has he been branded a sex offender, not only has he been hated and sold into slavery, now he's forgotten about. But the set time comes. Verse 14, because Pharaoh has a dream that he has no idea what it means. All his counselors, all his magicians, all his wise people have no idea what it means either. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. Why? One of the political officials, Joseph, interpreted the dream for him. said, hey, you know what? You got a guy in your jail. You know, he's not supposed to be down there, but he's down there anyways. He can interpret dreams. I'm so sorry. I forgot about him. Because what he said to me came to pass. What he said about the other guy came to pass too. 
And it says, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Notice, he went from being a prisoner to standing in the court of Pharaoh. This is already an exaltation. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there's none that can interpret it. And I've heard said of you that you can understand a dream and interpret it. You know, this could be just like, this is finally my moment. Yes, I can interpret your dream. I've been doing it since I was a teenager. I got the gift. I can do it. But that's not what he did. He said, it's not in me. But God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Notice what he did in this moment of exaltation, this moment of promotion. He put the attention on the right place. Instead of taking the credit for himself, says, yes, it's me. Yes, you need to, I don't know who, you need to go find Potiphar and kill him. Or put in this dream interpreter in jail. He don't know who I am. It's not in me. But there is a God who will give you an answer of peace. So he begins to interpret the dream because of the gift God put in him. In verse 28, he says, this is the thing which I spoke, this is the thing which I spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he shows unto Pharaoh. In verse 32, and for that dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Notice an emphasis in Joseph as he's interpreting the dream. God said it, God's going to do it. It's God who gave me this ability, God's going to interpret the dream. God, 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 not Joseph. Now, although God is working through Joseph doing the work, Joseph is putting the glory in the right place in his moment of promotion, his moment of exaltation. And then Pharaoh goes, Pharaoh says, well, what should we do? Joseph gives them a strategy of what to do. And verse 37, and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So it's very clear to Pharaoh, I'm not just talking to Joseph, I'm talking to a man that has God's spirit. So he's not saying, yeah, Joseph is great. Now, Joseph and his God is great. It's like we talked about the first week. Every time they talked about Solomon, they talked about Solomon's God. Now he's working with Joseph. Now he can't talk about Joseph, we're talking about Joseph's God. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed you all of this, he know where it came from. Why? Because Joseph told him. Because if Joseph just interpreted the dream, God would not get any credit. Joseph would have been blessed. But Joseph is putting the light in the right place. There's none so discreet and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. So not only am I about to promote you, everybody that lives in my house that works for me reports to you. And according to your word shall all my people be ruled. Everybody in the empire now has to listen to you. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. So only when I'm sitting on this seat will what I say go over yours. As you keep reading, Joseph talks about later, it says, God has made me a father to Pharaoh. So whatever Joseph wanted to be done in the empire was done. Talk about a promotion. Talk about an exaltation. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And arrayed him in vessels of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. Second chariot is the fastest one. Pharaoh has the fastest. So he gave Joseph his other Maserati. 
and he made them to drive through the streets, and they cried before him, bow down. Now, talk about a promotion. Now, Egypt used to bow before Pharaoh. Now they have to bow to Joseph and made him rule over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without you shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. No one can do nothing unless you say so. They better not lift their hand or move their foot unless you told them it's okay. Talk about promotion from going to prisoner. And before that, a slave and in the pit. So now you are in charge of an empire that people are still talking about today. How did Egypt even get to that place? We've got, there's a blessed man at the top now. Because you see, they have 70 years of plenty. And so Joseph stores 20% of everything that comes in. And then people in the seven years of famine, they run out of food, so they come to Joseph. They come to Pharaoh. Pharaoh they say, we're hungry, Pharaoh. He says, go talk to Joseph. He's going to tell you what to do. And so now Joseph begins to sell the food. And other nations say, hey, we need food. And so when their money run, runs out, Joseph begins to buy their land. Egypt became a massive empire, a rich empire, because of this blessed man. So notice how often Joseph acknowledged God and gave him glory in his dealings with Pharaoh. In verse 39, we see that Pharaoh understands that it is the God of Joseph who gave him the dream and gave Joseph the wisdom to know what to do. Pharaoh would have never known this if Joseph didn't use his moment to point to God. Go to Daniel chapter 2. We see how God gave Pharaoh a dream. Now, there's another dream that comes to a king called Nebuchadnezzar. Now, there's two different. They're both Gentile kings. They're both probably wicked kings. But Nebuchadnezzar is crazy. We see no proof of Pharaoh being crazy. We just see he's an Egyptian. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, that dude is crazy. Daniel 2. So what happens? So he's ruling. He's reigning. He's king. He has the major empire of the day. And Daniel and his three friends, they're taken captive from Judah at age 15, 16. So they're probably around sophomores in high school. Brings them to Babylon. They indoctrinate the ways of Babylon. Daniel and his friends decide to live holy and pure before God. And God blesses them and prospers them. Before the age of 21, they're serving in the courts of, Pharaoh, of, serving the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and it bothers him. But then he forgets it. How, how many of you ever had a dream, and you wake up, and you forgot what you just dreamed? So this happened to Nebuchadnezzar. So he calls all of his wise men, his magicians, his astrologers, and say, hey, I dreamed a dream. I forgot it. Tell me what I dreamed and what it meant. They're like, dude, tell us what you dreamed, and then we'll interpret it. And Nebuchadnezzar says, I got another proposition for y'all. If y'all can't tell me and interpret it, I'm going to kill all y'all. Because I know I can tell you a dream, and then y'all going to make up an answer, try to trick me. Y'all about to die. Now, Daniel and his three friends are part of that group. And so, a message reaches to Daniel, hey, Nebuchadnezzar can kill all y'all. He said, whoa, 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 Why, you know, what's the hurry? What's the rush? What happened? It's okay, let me go talk to the king and get a few more time. So, he got some more time. Him and his friends went to God and prayed. God gave him the answer. You see, chapter 2, see Daniel praising God and thanking him for his mercies, that he's the revealer of secrets. Then you get to verse 24, therefore Daniel went unto Ariok, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, destroy not the wise men of Babylon, 
Bring me in before you the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Notice Daniel's confident in what God gave him. He says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show him. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king, and Hazel said thus unto him, I found a man of the capitals of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered, said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known unto me the dream which I've seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. Notice he's putting the light in the right place. That reveals secrets and makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed are these. So he begins to tell him what happened. Then you get to verse 37. It says, you, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. So notice he's telling them the reason why your king is God puts you in this position. Don't get it twisted thinking, oh, I'm such a great general. I'm such a great warrior. That's why I'm king. No, God gave it to you. You get to verse 47. The king answered unto Daniel and said, of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing that you could reveal the secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governors of all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested his friends that his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the, be made over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So God had already prospered and promoted Daniel and his friends. But notice when another moment came, Daniel used his platform to point to God once again. As he did this, not only did the answer come, but Daniel and his friends were promoted once again. You must use the platform God gives you to give him glory. When he promotes you, when he exalts you, when exaltation comes, when the lifting up comes, when he lifts you up by his mighty right hand, you need to use that elevated position to give him glory. Go to Psalm 113. We live in a day where people are obsessed with celebrities. It's if a celebrity says something or someone with enough Twitter followers says something, people do it. This is the day and age we live in. A number of years ago, Tim Tebow played a game, and he had John 3.16 written under his eyes, and then I believe he scored 3.16 in almost everything. Google says hundreds of millions of people looked at what John 3.16 says that night. Oh, it's on his eyes. Ooh, 316, 316. Ooh, I wonder what that means. For God so loved the world. Wait a minute. He's on the world stage. He just puts a message on his eyes, and millions of people read the gospel. A moment of promotion, a moment of exaltation from a place of influence. Psalm 113, verse 7. He raises up the poor out of the dust. And lifts the needy out of the dunghill. Why? That he may set him with princes, even the princes of his people. So he'll take people in situations where they're in the dust, where they're in the rubbish, in the trash, and he'll lift them up, not just taking them out of the trash, he'll sit them with the people who are of the prominent places of the people he comes from. That's what God desires to do in the great lifting up. That whatever your arena is, wherever you work, wherever you live, he wants to lift you up to the place of influence. Why? Because from the place of influence, you can talk about what your God has done 
and people will listen. It's hard that people listen to you when you say God will prosper you and you broke. But if you're rich, they listen a little bit more. They may talk about you on TV, but they still listening. Well, we don't know why they got all that money, but they said God will prosper you. They listen. God wants to take you to a place of influence so you can point the light to Jesus and more people can come to know him. Psalm 148 verse 14 says, he also exalts the horn of his people. Remember, so that's the dignity, the power, the influence of his people. The praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. There is a lifting up. We said he'll lift you up at the set time. So what you need to do until that set time of the due season comes, get yourself in position to be lifted up. Make sure your thinking is humble. Change your mindset. Don't be full of yourself. Be full of Jesus instead. Change how you think. Deal with the weak places in your armor. Deal with your own Achilles heel. You know where you got issues. Deal with it. Deal with internal character flaws. Because see, the thing is, as you climb the mountain, whatever you bow down on the way up will rule you when you get to the top. So even before you start rising, deal with your issues. Deal with your own character flaws. So that when you get to the top, what shines through you is the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, not the works of the flesh. Get yourself in position to be lifted up. Get yourself in position to be exalted. Because there will come an opportunity. There will come a window that if you're in position, you will be lifted up. Now, that opportunity can come and you can miss it. But if you're in position and you're walking with Jesus, you won't miss the opportunity. So if you're in position and the opportunity comes and you're lifted up, as you're lifted up, you will have a moment or several moments to put the light in the right place, to give glory to God. So I tell you today, don't miss your opportunity and don't miss your moment. So, oh, well, it was just a little promotion. Give Jesus glory. People, oh, you got promoted. Yeah, God's been good to me, man. You're not to be deep and testify and dance all around the office. Now, if that's you and that's how you do everything, then go ahead. But it's not. It's, yeah, God did it. Say, so, well, I worked hard. Well, he put the breath in your body, so hey. Give him the glory that's due to his name. You know, he'll share the outpouring of his spirit, that glory with you. But the praise, he doesn't share that with anybody. Give him the glory and the praise that's due to his name. Tell people that Jesus did it. Tell people that it's because of him. Why? They may not listen to you the first time, but as you keep saying it, eventually they'll say, hey, uh, what about this Jesus guy? What happens? You're doing this, you're making him famous. You're going viral. People will hear about you and your dedication to God. You know, one of the things when we lived in Austin, my wife worked as a substitute teacher in the school. And my wife has a certain favor on her life that she can get away with stuff that no one else can. And so whenever she would work with kids, they would always, whether it was in Austin or other places she worked, they would put her with what they called the worst group of kids. And so they put her at the worst middle school in the worst part of the city with the worst kids 
of that middle school. The ones who was like the tutor instructor to kick them out of the class and put them with her. And so it was her job to get them to learn and do the different things. And so one day, we just started preaching to them. It's like, look, you need Jesus. <laughs> Mind you, this is a public school. You need Jesus. This is what his word says. God doesn't want you to live this type of life. He wants to prosper you. He wants to be good to you. And you know what? The, it went around the school. And you know what the principal came and said? It's about time someone told him about Jesus. <laughs> another time, this might be the same school, there's another day. And she was talking to him because at that middle school, there's so many girls who were pregnant. And he says, you don't have to do that to keep a man. He says, me and my husband, we didn't sleep with each other until we got married. <gasps> that went around the school like that. And it wasn't the kids that came up to her afterwards. It was the teachers. How did you do that? Does that happen today? And she began to teach them. Opportunities the Holy Ghost gives you to point to Jesus. So don't think it has to be this big moment, you know, the Grammy stage. You have moments in your life. Seize the opportunity and take your moments. Because Psalm 75 says, promotion comes neither from the east nor the west, nor from the south. Or lifting up doesn't come from the east, the west, or the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. So the thing is, you do your best work, but it doesn't mean you have to kiss everybody's butt. They may hate you, but still promote you anyways. You do what God has called you to do. Stop worrying about everything. Well, did you see the news? Yep, and? Well, did you see what they said? Yep, and? Well, they said this about economy, and? God didn't say, I'll lift you up if the economy's good. He didn't say, I'll lift you up if the president does what I want him to do. He said, I'll lift you up if the Congress does what I want them to do. Doesn't matter. Well, if we get this justice or this justice, doesn't matter. Now, when it comes to you being lifted up, stop stressing about everything you see on TV. If you can't handle it, turn it off. If you can't handle the drama on Facebook, turn it off. There is a lifting up. And it's coming swiftly. Get yourself in position for God to promote you. Get yourself in, permission, in position for God to exalt you. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your moment. God will put you in places you wonder why you're there. Like, I'm not qualified to be there. But if God is inside of you, you are qualified. You might think, well, God, someone else should be here. He didn't send someone else. He sent you. So because you're there, take advantage of the opportunity. And as that moment comes, say, yeah, but it was all because of Jesus. He is good and his love never quits. Yeah, he has blessed me, but if you follow him, he'll bless you too. He's not a respecter of persons. If you get in on this, he'll bless you too. Come on, it's not too late. God is interested in lifting you up. But you need to get yourself in position for him to lift you up. You need to get yourself in position to be exalted. You need to humble yourselves. Some of y'all need to go home and sit down and be humble. Get before God and figure out what to do. Get in the scriptures. Get in the word. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, how long do I pray in the Holy Ghost? So you get your answer that you need. Be honest before God. Say, God, here I am. What do I need to fix? 
He will tell you. Get your pen or your paper or your iPad or your phone ready. He will tell you. But work on you. Work on the things that God brings to your attention. So what, do I have to be perfect to be promoted? No. God's not looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. If you get in position, God will lift you up. And at that time, there is nobody that can stop you. There is no demon that can stop you. There's no principality or power that can stop you. Satan himself cannot stop you. Republicans or Democrats cannot stop you. Economy or no economy cannot stop you. Money or no money cannot stop you. Doesn't matter what you believe about people wanting to do to you. That does not matter. At the set time, if you're in position, you will be lifted up and nobody can stop you. Because exaltation will come. There is a lifting up. So get ready to be lifted up. Get ready to be exalted. Get ready to rise on up. Come on, this is Atlanta. Rise up, people. Come on. It's time to go higher. Because we're going to keep rising up until the rapture. Do you know what God's going to say at the rapture of the church? Come up here. Because we're going from faith to faith, glory to glory. We keep going up, we keep going up, and God says, come on, let's go. It's not going to be a huge jump in glory. You like that? Time to rise up. Exaltation's coming. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, Father, we thank you. Exaltation's coming. Yes, the time of great lifting up has arrived. We receive the word of your spirit, the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.